0: Very often in Śrīla Prabhupāda's books there are short statements which are are, are like sutras. They are very powerful statements, although stated uh, briefly and simply. Here in this purport we have the sentence, Bhakti Yoga is the purification of the senses. Now we've probably often heard this or read this. And in reading through Bhagavad Gita as it is, we might just read this and not really take much note of it because we think it's a very ordinary statement. But if we're reading attentively and prayerfully, then each sentence and each word will, will hit us. In this statement, Srila Prabhupada sums up the essence of bhakti yoga and puts everything clearly in perspective. Bhakti means pure devotional service to Krishna. muktam Nir Malam Hrishikesha Sevanam Bhakti When one is freed from all mundane designations. And engages the senses in the service of the master of the senses, that is called bhakti. But one cannot uh, properly engage the senses in the service of Krishna if the senses are not purified. This is the mistake of the Prakritas sahajiyas that they think we shall just do a pole vault into rasa lila. Here we are. Here I am, Krishna. Let's enjoy together. But the the whole concept of enjoyment is, personal enjoyment is, that means impurified senses. From mundane vision, the gopis appear to be lusty young girls, and Krishna appears to be a lusty young boy, eager to enjoy them. That's why one has to be trained in the philosophical understanding of Krishna consciousness, and understand the difference between prakrita and the prakrita that which is mundane and that which is transcendental. And understand that Krishna's pastimes are fully transcendental. And understand the difference between leela, Krishna's transcendental pastimes, and bandhan, or, or bhava-bandhan, this uh, tied-up incarceration in this material world. Without understanding this, the attempt to understand Krishna's pastimes will necessarily result in misunderstanding. The Prakritas, Sahajiyas, consider their mundane sentiments to be transcendental ecstasy. And the mundane academics, uh, they, they're in a similar position, because they try to understand Krishna's pastimes without uh purification of their senses without understanding the difference between Prakrita and Aprakrita. Although they may, d- in their s- pseudo-scholarly way, dis- even discuss the, the Gorya Vaishnava theory of Prakrita and Aprakrita But they cannot understand Krishna at all. Even when you'll find some of these university scholars, they can explain Gorya Vaishnava philosophy in great detail, and it appears as if they understand it. But they don't understand it at all as is evinced by their uh, lack of devotion to Krishna. They just take Krishna consciousness as a subject of study. Or some of them uh, profess to be practicing adherents of the bhakti yoga process. But this very approach to try to uh, measure and to... Uh, generalize Krishna and Krishna consciousness oh, is a contamination atapite deva padambuja dvayam prasadale shanugrahita evahee janati tatvang bhagavān mehim no nacanya eikopi chiraṅvichinvān that no one can understand Krishna simply by a um, cerebral effort Krishna can be understood by one who can get even a drop of Krishna's mercy. Even if that person is not highly scholarly, if he has Krishna's mercy, he can understand Krishna. Whereas a person who is highly scholarly but doesn't get the mercy of Krishna, cannot understand Krishna. Even they may think, I understand Krishna. A mundane academic is an expert on Krishna, specialist, Tell you so many things, all about it, all theory, understands nothing or the Prakritas, Sahajiyas, imagine themselves to be uh, highly intimate devotees, but their imitation simply is their ticket to hell. Everything depends on getting the mercy of Krishna. Senses have to be pu- senses and mind have to be purified. No one can understand Krishna if the senses are not purified. We cannot engage the senses that desire personal gratification in the service of Krishna. The contaminated senses are unfit to serve Krishna. Krishna can only be served by persons whose sensual functions are uh, used only for pleasing the senses of Krishna. Nowadays, there's a lot, there are many educational programs within our movement, which are good. Devotees should study these books. Of course, studying mundane subjects with a little semi-Krishna consciousness thrown in is not very helpful. Actually, there's no such thing as semi-Krishna consciousness. These attempts to semi-ize Krishna consciousness are in themselves antithetical to Krishna consciousness. We become so much concerned with Vastu and astrology and psychology and pyramid cubes and so many different things that we don't even chant our 16 rounds. First of all, I have to get all the windows in the building in the right place, put a pyramid in every room and a yantra on every wall, get a PhD in psychology. And then I'll really be prepared to be Krishna conscious. But my astrologer told me, "Don't start chanting Hare Krishna till you're 99 years old." So I have to, I have to wait a little bit. So this is all nonsense. I mean, uh, yeah, Vastu is also a science. But actually, if, if you have a, uh, if you have a toilet in the same building as you, as you live in, then the whole thing's completely screwed up. Anyway, so better chant Hare Krishna. You can't get everything perfect according to, to Vastu anyway. You can spend a hundred dollars blocking up the window and putting it on the other side. Probably more than a hundred dollars. But you get a lot more benefit if you use that for, for instance, uh, sponsoring a festival and feeding the Vaishnavas which is a directly transcendental activity. So uh, purification of the senses means to engage them in Krishna's service. Prabhupada gave us a very practical program. We need to understand what is Krishna consciousness, otherwise we can't practice it. But then we have to practice it. If we don't practice it, we can't understand it. And if we don't, Practice it, that's the proof that we don't understand it. Because if we actually understand what Krishna Consciousness is, then we engage in it. It's not just a matter of getting a Bhakti Shastri degree. You can wave your Bhakti Shastri degree in the air as much as you like, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you get the mercy of Krishna. So it's good to get a Bhakti Shastri degree. Prabhupada wanted his followers to do that. But the uh, actual result of, of studying Bhakti Shastri is not that you get a certificate which you post, which you put on your wall but that you become extremely enthusiastic to serve the mission of the Lord. So Prabhupada's program was hear, chant, serve. This will purify our existence. If we think we can just sit and study all day, that, that won't work actually because the senses are by nature active and we are used to an active kind of life. So if we think I'll just sit and study all day, then the senses will... Agitate. We have to engage them in Krishna's service. That will purify us. There's no use to uh, simply study, 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 but then no control. The, the The mind is not controlled. On the other hand, Krishna consciousness is not just simply working without understanding what we're doing. We have to hear and uh, understand what is this philosophy. But everything should be aimed at purification of the senses. Purification of the senses is synonymous with and is uh, typified by the desire to serve Krishna for his pleasure. That is possible by taking to the process of bhakti yoga. Very practical. The senses are engaged in the service of Krishna. We desire to see objects that are are, uh, attractive to our sense of personal enjoyment. The whole pornography business, huge business all over the world. Also, advertisements which show pictures of beautiful women, shows the outside of beautiful women. If you show from the inside, it's not so beautiful. Take the most beautiful woman in the world and take off the skin. It won't look so nice. Same thing, just minus the skin, which is not much, actually. It's very thin, but it no longer looks beautiful. It looks actually horrible. That's like, like something out of a horror movie anyway the whole uh, the whole pornography and advertisement business is based on providing attractive material for the eyes that should be the the desire to see the beautiful or the attractive form of the opposite sex should be replaced by the desire to see the beautiful form of Krishna, the desire to hear uh, pleasing music that we think is very nice, should be replaced by getting a taste for hearing the music that Krishna thinks is very nice. Instead of preparing food for our own sense gratification, we should prepare food for Krishna's sense gratification. What he likes to eat, how he likes to dress. We like to dress up so in nice clothes. Instead, if we dress Krishna in nice clothes, then that propensity will be uh, perfect. And this way, the senses become purified, and one develops love for Krishna. Always thinking, how can we please Krishna? What what can we do to satisfy Krishna? And when this attitude becomes Manifest at every moment of our lives, and that is perfect Krishna consciousness. And that is love. Love means to act in a manner that is pleasing to the loved one. And Krishna is the natural object of love for mm-hmm. every living being. And Krishna, his love is unlimited. He can reciprocate with an unlimited, he can fully and in, a, in an unlimited manner reciprocate the love of an unlimited number of jivas. Therefore, it should be understood that bhakti-yoga is not a religion in the ordinarily understood sense of the term. But it is a natural process to revive the natural propensity of the soul, which is to love Krishna. So the, the rules and regulations of devotional service, they're not meant so much for Restriction as for reviving dormant Krishna consciousness in every, or in the practitioner. As Srila Prabhupada said, Krishna consciousness is not an artificial imposition. The means and the end are the same. The means of reviving Krishna consciousness is Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, hearing about Krishna, chanting about Krishna, remembering Krishna. And the perfection of Krishna consciousness is to always hear about, chant about, remember. Bhaktya bhaktya. Bhakti leads to bhakti. Bhakti in the stage of practice leads to bhakti in the state of perfection. In the stage of practice means we have to follow rules and regulations, which uh, regulate or, or engage us in hearing and chanting about Krishna and Absolutely. serving Krishna and uh, regulate our propensity to engage in activities that are not Krishna conscious but in the perfectional stage a devotee naturally thinks of Krishna and likes to hear and chant about Krishna nevertheless even in the perfectional stage a devotee in this world generally follows all the rules and regulations of devotional service just to set a good example for others who need to follow these rules and regulations and also because the rules and regulations, they uh, they naturally engage one in activities which even liberated souls like to do, namely hearing and chanting about Krishna. So this is the wonderful process of Krishna consciousness. In the beginning, it may seem somewhat difficult because we are accustomed to engage in activities for sense personal sense gratification, and there may be difficulties in the execution of our Krishna consciousness such as sometimes we feel tired, or we may have some psychological disturbance, or whatever. Various difficult situations may arise, which is normal in this material world. It is a place of difficulty, just in case you didn't know this, just thought I'd remind you, because Maya is very strong, and as soon as we get a little relief from the difficulty of mature life, we start to think, actually, it's wonderful. There were severe floods in Poland a few years ago, right? This area also was flooded. But uh, then it goes away and people go on with their normal life of you know, eating sausages, drinking beer, and they think life is wonderful. In Poland in the summer, if there is a summer, not <laughs> much summer. <laughs> <laughs> this is wonderful. Forgetting that what the winter is like. And in India, the summer is... Uh, in, in Europe, people say the summer is very nice, but in India, the summer is very difficult. Were you in Mayapur this summer? Is the summer means it's already finished in India, because now that means April, May, beginning of June, like that. And then in the middle of June, the rain comes, and the summer's finished. But In Mayapur, it was unusually hot this year, so I was told. It was like 40, 45, many days. So there are are various difficulties. But we tend to forget that is the nature of Maya. As soon as there's a little relief from difficulty, we think, oh, now let me enjoy life. So sometimes devotees get discouraged when there are difficulties in devotional service. But we should understand that these difficulties actually help us to advance. The materialist thinks, well, if there wasn't this problem and that problem and the other problem, then I could be happy in this material world. And the neophyte devotee thinks, well, if there wasn't this problem and that problem and the other problem, then I could do bhakti more easily. But what we actually see is if there's no difficulty or no pressure of service, that uh, mostly devotees, they just go to sleep or they don't practice Krishna consciousness very serious. Um, when I first joined the temple in Bhaktivedanta Mana there was one god brother who had been working very hard for many weeks and uh, he was actually becoming like physically exhausted. So he got permission from the temple president that you just take as many days as you like and you just don't do anything, you just read all day. So he was very enthusiastic to read and he read all day for about two days and then after that he started sleeping all day. Of course, it's better to have a balanced program of reading every day and serving every day. But the point I'm making here is that we, we tend to think that, well, you know, if I if I didn't have so much pressure or so much difficulty, then I'd do better in bhakti. But as Prabhupada said, this is a pushing movement and that pushing helps us to become purified if we can surrender to it. And sometimes it hurts. But that pain can sometimes be purifying also. The uh, doctor's needle hurts, but it is beneficial also. So, engagement of the senses in the service of Krishna's senses. In the course of that, we are going to be tested. Do we actually want to serve Krishna? Or we want Krishna to serve us? When we're fully tested, then we gain our ticket to Vallabh Vrindavan. Where everyone lives only for the satisfaction of Krishna. This the Prakritas Sahajiyas cannot understand. They think, well, Krishna consciousness is blissful, therefore I should be blissful. But the bliss comes from forgetting one's own happiness and thinking only how to act in a manner that Krishna will be happy. That is the status of fully purified senses. So please go on serving Krishna with purified senses and In this way, we can all qualify to enter the kingdom of God. Srila Prabhupada has given us unlimited service to do. Not everyone can do everything, but we all have service to do for Krishna in different capacities. Everyone is in the Krishna Conscious Movement is important. Sometimes we think, well, the sannyasis, they're traveling around preaching here and there. They're very important. But the devotee... Taking out the cows to the field in the morning is also important. He's doing service to Krishna. Service to Krishna is never unimportant. It's all part of Prabhupada's mission. Prabhupada had a great mission to spread Krishna consciousness all over the world. The mother, very uh, lovingly and carefully looking after her child, raise, raising a child in Krishna consciousness, is doing very important service. The devotee. Cleaning the floor of the temple room is doing very important service. What he's doing is far more important than the president of Poland, who appears to have a very important position, but is just preparing himself to become... I won't say in case I get put in prison. (laughs) So the the big, big leaders, they, they become big, big animals. But the humble devotee of Krishna becomes dust in the lotus feet of Krishna. That is his desire and ambition. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Any question about this? Yeah, you have a question. So regarding these rules and regulations, you mentioned uh, this uh, afternoon that uh, eating red lentils is in the category of eating meat. Yeah. So can you explain? Well, that's called, yeah, that's called amisham. It's not exactly meat, but it's, in the same category of forbidden food. Prabhupada explained because it's too, it's very high protein. Prabhupada uh, also said that soya, soya beans, is very high protein. He said that's also not suitable for devotees, can't be offered to the deities. Some devotees like to have this imitation meat made from soya beans. Is that popular in Poland? Yes. not suitable to offer to Krishna. Not suitable for devotees. Hmm. All right. Hare Krishna. All right. To Hare Srila Prabhupada. Oh, another question. All right. How we can study Prabhupada books more effectively? With the desire to serve. If we read with the desire, praying that, pl- please, please, uh, me how I can serve better and that then we can read very nicely yes, yes. Hare Krishna i have no more questions no. come here became fixed in this desire there's so many how How can we how how to how can we how can we be sincere how can we be determined well a, a generic answer to all these how to questions is to uh, associate with devotees who have the qualities that we desire to develop I'll finish that All glories to his divine grace, Srila Prabhupada.